Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I interview movement enthusiasts to find out who they are, what they do, and why they do it. In this episode, Roberto Ruggiero Santiago discusses his years rowing crew, both as an athlete and as a coach, and his thoughts on the competitive nature of the sport. Roberto shares how an injury changed his perspective and opened up his possibilities, leading him to fighting monkey and parkour. He explains his ideas of mastery as well as his approach to games and training. Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Hello, I'm Roberto Regueiro. Roberto Ruggiero Santiago is a world traveler, originally from Spain, currently paused in New York City. He's a parkour coach and athlete with a broad background in movement disciplines, including fighting monkey, judo, rowing, climbing, and breakdance. When he isn't spending his time training or coaching for the movement creative, he's a front-end web developer. Welcome, Roberto. Thank you, Craig. Roberto, one thing that struck me as interesting when I read about you was that you had spent four years, I believe it was, volunteer coaching at, at rowing or crew. I'm not sure what the exact term is. And I've actually had this little question in my mind about rowing for a couple of years. And I'm just wondering, can you tell me what the context was that you were coaching crew or rowing? What coach context were you coaching in? And then what does rowing mean to you like as a thing that you teach someone else to do? That's something that I stopped doing like five, six years ago. But in my life, it is over 15 years of practice. It's the second sport that I meet. Mm. But in the first one where I really joined the competition deeply, mm. I was rowing national team, the national championships. Regionals um, is the first thing where I can say that I mastered it. Okay. That is, I, I don't think it's totally necessary to master everything that you do in your own practice, but master something that gives you a, a deep understanding mm. about what the things feels. In the first moment that you feel like that song, like the flow, the state, is when you really master something. Like in fact, being on a on a crew, rowing with serious people for years, knowing each other very well, then just stop stop having feelings from yourself. You have both feelings. Mm -hmm. There's like maybe four people, nine people. You don't know where your hands ends and where the strokes starts. Mm. You start feeling the water. Like a whole, a whole unity, a whole yeah. Unified. That 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 feeling of unity. Then, when you feel it for first time, you can recognize in other things easily, so much faster. Ooh, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Then, when I start doing meditation, I start the meditation here in New York with with us with us fighting monkey and true movement. And a couple of days, like sitting, just breathing and paying attention to myself environment, was like. Oh my god, this is like rowing, but uh, like a click. Yeah, and it's like, wow, I want to have this state in everything what I do. Mm -hmm. And like one goal in life is be able to live that way everything that you do. Like eating, working on the street, anything. So that's how you became deeply interested in rowing, but how did you get from uh, I don't know what the term is for the people who row, but how did you mm -hmm. get from being a rower to being a coach? Did that fall out naturally, or did they ask you? Or my first club was a super poor club. To understand rowing in the north of Spain, the Cantabric 
Costa, Coastal Spain. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a sport for mostly poor people or sons of people who work on the sea. On the sea. Everyone, everyone helps on the club. Nobody pays nothing for training since you are a kid till you are an adult. When you are an adult, you start being paid for it, in fact. But then you feel that club is part of you and you are part of the club and you don't try to have nothing in return. But if someone needs something, you, you are going to be there because you yeah, are that, part of that. That club is like not just people who get together that just unity to row, that I'm talking whole... about on the boat. Mm -hmm extends out of that with when more poor you are with less you have everyone needs to be there and then you feel that that boat that you that you have to fix that that wall that you paint that everything is belongs to you and you belongs to them and mm -hmm. somehow mm -hmm. then in the moment that we need more more people to row right whatever the challenge is right i was there trying to share what i like to And this can be extended to my current coaching. What I want at the end when I coaching, I like to share what I love, but I want to have partners to play. Mm. You know, that's why I'm coaching parkour as well. I, I want to have people to train with. <laughs> right. Partners to play with. Mm -hmm. And rowing was exactly the same thing. This this kid that I maybe for at that moment, I was super young when I started coaching. I started coaching at 15. Uh, with maybe has 12 years old at that different at that mm -hmm. age it's a huge difference no? right. you're, you're a man <laughs> you are not but who cares no um, that that boy in certain amount of year will be my partner will be on my side will be suffering together for something that the club needs too that's, that's well it was natural maybe I, I have some tendency to share that kind of stuff I like to coach since always probably And when the needs appears, I was there to to help. So with your coaching role in rowing, mm -hmm. um, did that involve competitions? Is that, are you is this in a context of a school or is it a community like each town has a crew or sadly, sadly or not sadly, that that does not exist such thing of rowing without competition. Okay. And so everyone only, only with that you are coaching. It's with the mindset that he will be on the on competition on your side or representing your club. Then competition is the only way to understand to understand the rowing. <clears throat> Then the longevity is not exactly the the mindset for the people there. Okay. That follows me to my injuries. Mm. That they also are who send me to be interested in movement to try to fix my own body. Mm. because that unbalance that you create when you are super specific in one only sport mm -hmm. and your back is huge your chest almost doesn't exist your mm -hmm. legs are big but only in a certain way yeah and that that builds that actually builds weaknesses into the system which come back to haunt yeah, you yeah like you are so strong and so fragile at the same time that was pushed me in the direction of of movement like healthy spine open shoulders, mm -hmm. mobility out of the range of what I was working on. So you started by saying that you rode for 15 years in yeah. total. So uh, was that just like one big long love affair or did you, like what made you stop? So, uh, <laughs> the first time I was 18, 
when I stopped, I started at 11. And I was so much in competition, totally focused. My last year being a junior, my next year will be a senior. Mm -hmm. That's where the real thing starts. It's like martial arts, black belt uh -huh. is when you are really yeah, starting to know first, what you're doing. Right, first step, <laughs> shodan in Japanese. Yeah, but at that moment, step. you don't feel on that way. You know, <laughs> every 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 year is is the last year. Right. And we was preparing for nationals as crazy. My before year was ju um, junior for first year, then my second year being junior is the good one mm -hmm. when you are going to compete and break everything. And I put all in. And it's a sport with partners. And we was not all in. It was two of us was all in. Mm -hmm. Two of the others. Now it's so easy to understand. 17 years old. Why do you expect? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but at the time, this at the time was sense. not that. And was like, oh my God, if I if I depending from these people, I can be all in because I can trust them. Right. And then was like a, a crisis on for me, mm -hmm. I just quit. I stopped. From one day to another, I just stopped. After mm -hmm. the competition, that we we don't have the resource that I was working for, not even close, uh, I just quit. Mm. And then I discovered the world. Because when you are on that level, you are you are also like a monk. Yeah, you're you only know? rowing. Yeah, <laughs> you're only rowing. Sleep, bro. The, the only thing that I answer to everyone when they ask me something is, sorry, I must row. I have training. Uh, right. People say that a lot, too, no? <clears throat> Sorry, I have training. Right. And that moment was like, wow, there's more things than training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I that kind of obsessed people that, that that was no long time because then I became obsessed with graffiti and breakdancing mm -hmm. and all the stuff. But for a while, it was like, wow, <laughs> the world <laughs> is huge. <laughs> And then when we moved to live to in Barcelona, to Barcelona, I was totally out of shape because it was my first year working. As an adult, it's easy to understand the first year you start working, life changes a lot. Mm -hmm. Your body is also not the same. And I say, oh, I can try to row again. But some uh, low level competition that is in Catalonia, I start with them. We get second on the national. I lose like 25 pounds <laughs> in that year. Back into it, right? Yeah. yeah, and then it's when I became crazy again. And then I lost my mind. Then I was straight, tra my life was training again. Mm -hmm. Imagine the surprise for my wife that she never met me before rowing. <laughs> and then I, from one day to another, I became a monk again. <laughs> like, sorry, I, I'm wrong. I need to row. <laughs> I need to row. She's like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. No, but we, we're going to take dinner with, no, 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 because I need to wake up at 5.30 to go training. And I need to train again After. at 7 p.m. <laughs> and, you know, was was a huge thing. In some point, um, this sounds like a drama movie, mm -hmm. but when I was my strongest, strongest moment, I was going to train with my bike and I hit a bang, mm. with, I break my face, mm. I lose the second part of the season. Mm. And that moment, wow, I was crying, and going how, super down. How old were you when that happened to you? I'm now in 38, 33. 33? Mm -hmm. 33. Yeah, it's, it's like, in that kind of sport, it's like 
probably your best moment because you know yourself very well and you are still strong. Maybe yeah. at 20, 25, you are stronger. You're right. But you need that time of self-knowledge. Yeah, the, the, the wisdom, the, the, you know, the marathon runner mindset to yeah. have it all the way through the entire There is no poem. marathon champion this with 21 years yeah. old. That's something that maybe a genius, but, you know, I'm not one. Um, so at, th- at 35, you're forced to, did you think you'd be able to recover and go back to rowing? Or, or was it just, oh, you know, bleep, I'm just moving on? When I was on the ambulance, I was thinking that the circumstances of that for that moment was not something that's going to repeat. I was training every day twice with a guy who was second in the world that year. Then you just put back behind him and you follow, and mm. then he gives you mm. that that level of performance. And for him, you are someone who is like a rock; is always there. Then he never train alone. You never train alone. We make like a pair of training. Super different levels, of course, but uh, after that, uh, he started doing something. I started. Doing, I know that that thing is not gonna repeat again. Mm. But also, I have no regrets. Like I was training twice or three times per day. I was totally exhausted all the time on pain. I, in fact, probably I have the accident because I was. Totally exhausted. I don't pay enough yeah, attention. Totally exhausted. That was simply the last straw. That was simply yeah. the final. And I feel I have no regrets. Like I was not able to go to compete and show how strong I became or how much better my performance is. But I enjoy all the trainings. And then I was like, oh man, but I don't need to go to the compete. I, I was competing for between you and rowing more than 20 years. I don't need to go to another competition. I'm not gonna right. learn nothing there. I already, I learned a lot with right. that. The pressure, the, you know, even be with your partners here, they are nervous, calm down them, be going to compete alone, be going competing with another 13 guys being part of the team. Hmm. They are super different, different feelings. Different dynamics, right? Yeah, totally. And there's, I think in that, in that context, uh, that context of competition, there's a lot that you can learn from competition. So personally, when I'm people ask me or when there's a, dis- a discussion about is competition good or bad, I, I actually think it's both good and bad. Like I really think that people, each person should go and experience real high level competition, at least in one context. Because if you've never understood competition at a high level, I think you're missing a, a very bunch of important lessons about yourself, like you were saying about your teammates, about you know calming them down, and, and that's a very important lesson. And I don't want to pick on your age because I'm older than you, but th- you mentioned that you were 38, and when I first met you and realized that you were basically of the same age, my first question—I didn't ask you right away—but my first question for you that I had was, "Ooh, what is your view of your own personal journey so so you've clearly gone through this journey this relationship with competition and then through injury you're forced to like reassess and i'm just wondering how does your training and your view of your own work how is that changing say from like 30 to 35 to 40 are you seeing that you're just not interested in the same kinds of things or do you set different goals for yourself than you would have five years ago i'm just like super curious about you know, you're changing perspective. Yeah. Well, until 30-somethings, beginning the 30s, every day you are stronger than the day before mm-hmm. if you're training properly. Mm-hmm. After that, you accept that 
you don't need to be yourself every day mm -hmm. because that thing that you don't competing with no one you're competing with yourself that that's also toxic yes in some point there's no way you you are not going to be stronger than yesterday there's no way you're going to be weaker in terms of classic strength, probably you are better communicated, smarter, and you will solve yeah. better the problem. Yeah, maybe. Well-rounded, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, but you are going to lift the same amount of weight. Right. And maybe never again. Mm. Doesn't matter. And that acceptance, uh, acceptance of myself. Oh, that X, sorry, that acceptance, yes. Acceptance, <laughs> yeah. acceptance. You, you said the right word, I just misunderstood you, sorry. The acceptance of yourself. Um, You're gonna say that you, when you realize you may not yeah, yeah, be better than you yeah, were yesterday, yeah, yeah. that you had learned to accept yourself. Oh, I missed the word. Um, what is it in Spanish? <laughs> I, now I'm, I'm speaking so well, I miss in both. How <laughs> 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 I speak two languages wrong. <laughs> Self-compassion. Ah. I discovered, I discovered, truly discovered self-compassion, mm. you know, through that, through this journey. Like, I don't need to say to myself, to myself things that I don't allow to any other person to tell me. Ah. And that pushed me like, like no pain, no game. And we just need to kill that guys, even if we die trying. Mm. Yeah. It's, I don't need to. And also, when you are in 30s, 40s, you realize that you have more in common with the guy who's on your side mm. competing against you mm. than with any other people in the world, probably. Right. Because you were together, was sharing the same passion for 20 years. Yeah. What's actually the difference? The difference is he was born in that town and I was born in this town. And other than that, everything is the same. Exactly. And you have a lot of respect for his work. Nobody cares about the time now. It's just being there, work well, love that discipline that you are sharing with them. That I think that is for everything. Mm. BJ, judo, athletics, rowing, whatever. I I live it in, in rowing. Yeah. But it's now, if I start doing, of course, if you and I now we go to row and you became like, Better and better and better. And someday you start going faster than I, I will keep. Right. <laughs> it's going to push you, right? you know? <laughs> But not in terms of really competition. Right. Yeah, I, I would call that, what we're describing here, I would call that the true spirit of competition. The, the idea of celebrating the competition, not trying to defeat the other person. That, that what, you know, when, when you, You'd kick my butt in rowing. But if we were rowing and I was actually in front of you, you'd actually say, well, oh, wow, you're you're doing that well? All right, well, then I'm actually, I could dig a little deeper myself. And even if, you know, it doesn't matter who wins, it's that idea of together that we can both seek excellence and that by measuring excellence against each other, it gives us a, a true measure of how we're actually performing and growing. Mm -hmm. So we've talked a lot about rowing and coaching and I'm really, I'm really glad we got like right into that material. Um, but I wanna let you, um, first of all, thank you very much for doing this in English. I don't speak any <laughs> Spanish at all. Um, but I know that you had some things you wanted to talk about and that you went to the trouble of, of organizing your thoughts. So I wanna just like let you bring up the material that you wanted to bring up. No, well, when I talk about mastering something and when I get from rowing and that mastering and that high level competition, was well, so not only being the song, it's also how you face the pain, mm -hmm. how you keep your composure, 
how you can be better every day for a certain amount of time. Like it's room for improvement when you think it's not. Sometimes you need someone helping you, pushing you, like mm -hmm. boundaries in front of you, like this is this is possible. Mm -hmm. And became some kind of weatherproof. As we were training this morning, was right. like for me, yeah. if you stay in Spain, that temperature is like crazy. Right. Okay. <laughs> it was, okay, it was probably 26 Fahrenheit. It wasn't it wasn't that cold. It was a little breezy and it was shady. Yeah. Yeah. But with the rowing, I, I get used to like, it's, 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 it's raining, wind, and it's the end of the world with lights. But tomorrow <laughs> we have competition. Then you need to go there and do row. your job. <laughs> and if you don't want to go to your home and do come back, they'll come back. It's so easy as that. And then you realize you go there in the rain. It's not your own growing because you decide that you need to become more in unity with nature. No, mm. it's because someone higher and stronger than you tell you, go there and do your thing. <laughs> but do you realize that it's no big deal? It's just rain. Right. It's just water. It's just cold. And tomorrow you will be great anyway. Right. And then I think a certain age where you start, still has that elasticity mm. to make to make mistakes or do the things for reasons that you don't understand, mm -hmm. it's maybe a good moment to to do it. And then after you, when you get all realize that it's no big deal and you understand a bit the why they push you to do that. What do you think is the biggest thing that you've gotten that you've found in parkour? What has it given you? The, yeah, the, the, the biggest thing that I discovered through parkour was arrive to excellence in performance, hard work, hard training without the competition mindset. Mm. I never found that in any other discipline I've been to. Judo in the schools also are only focused on some kind of competition. Rowing, I try to, but at the end don't allow me. If you are training there 20 hours per week, they don't understand that you don't want to compete. <laughs> <laughs> But in parkour, it's normal. It's normal. It's, it's something like, cool, then this guy will be there. Let's go with him. And, right. and that thing like opened to me a, a new world of possibilities. Like I can be doing this forever because the moment that I feel like a bit injured or, or something, I can, parkour is so wide, and I can switch and I train this other, right. other stuff. Or I can rest. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds like oh, of course you can rest if you are tired or you're injured you can rest no no because if you're on a team with another three or seven guys if you rest because you are on pain they maybe they cannot go to compete and the year has gone and I stopped rowing for that reason right and in parkour is no problem it's like okay Roberto is injured he will come back when he's ready right and that possibility gives me like that longevity mindset of half a practice that I love. I can be training for hours mm. on my pace, sharing with others. The few chances that I've had to train with you, you've got this wonderful, playful mindset, like a game-oriented, and not like games for game's sake, that's useful too, but like the games fit with the lesson that you're trying to convey and they fit with the people who are there. And I'm just wondering where you got the game mindset because everything you've been describing so far, you haven't really talked about really wanting to lead groups of people through game learning sessions. Yeah, I I just 
cover this approach through Fighting Monkey. Mm -hmm. The first time I did the workshop with them, I just saw the games. I think it was fun. Right. But then I started doing the practice on my own. Certainly was when I arrived to New York and I started training with, with Ozzy in Rowery side. And then I see that he grabbed a concept to work on it. And the games sometimes was the same games for different concepts. Maybe I don't know if he realized about that or just fit on his mind, like, right. we're going to do this because I want to work in a structure. Yeah, and in a month, he, we're going to work on this game, but because we are going to work with rhythm. And then you say, huh? man, it's the same game. It's, 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 yeah, it's a little hard to unpack just how clever is he being, but it seems like it's working, right? Yeah, <laughs> and then I start doing my understanding of his explanation of Fighting Monkey, my own understanding of the two workshops I did with them and Tommy's lab, then I like to have some kind of storytelling when I'm doing a, a session. Then everything leads to something or has coherence. Okay. Maybe it's not exactly super connected, but the the mindset and the feelings leads you to that in an organic way. Mm -hmm. I don't like to be doing um, like reading yeah, things random. and then, but pull-ups can work, but well, let's say pull-ups. No, but everything is, if, if the content is strong, it's in everything. But, right. But yeah, and I start playing with Fighting Monkey stuff, and I think, okay, this is the only thing I can do with Fighting Monkey people. But in Spain, they don't play so much games, parkour, but here in the States, you are more on play, that stuff. Yeah, and playful. movement creative, even more. Yeah, just you know? just easy to sell right. this kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> And then I start uh, coaching the Tuesday session. This is a specific kind of people, more open-minded than average. Did they, I don't want to cut you off, but did the, did, did the people coalesce around, let's call it the idea, so your idea of using games in this parkour context, did the people coalesce around the idea or, or did new people show up for that like i'm just wondering like did words spread about what you were doing and then people who were already in the orbit of parkour training did they come to it or do you feel like it's you just started doing gaming and people began showing up one by one i'm just wondering like what draws people to it and what your experience was for the people that you actually work with now yeah i i think that in this this stuff jesse and i we are more or less pointing in the same direction mm -hmm. then his people was more than ready for okay. enjoy what I'm what I'm working, say my work, right? And also my explanation after the session or during the session about what is the value of the game help people that at the beginning feel silly to give value to the game mm. because at the end you have to make some connection like oh now I'm doing these lines in a different way than usual. Or, oh my God, this weakness was hiding from me for a long time and right. it's there. Now I see it, right. And I now want to fill that gap. Mm. Yeah, I think it was organic. And if you come to my one of my sessions and um, I'm playing a game and you hate games, probably you'll never come back. 
<laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't know many people who hate games. I I think I don't know if I've even seen anybody have that reaction in in a parkour context that included a game. I've seen people feel self conscious, you know, where the where the game design leaves them a little bit behind out of the gate. But m- most of the games that I've seen you do, I, I can't think of any examples of games I've seen you do or Jesse where people just went, oh, this is stupid. I mean, that, that that's actually more common, I think, from children than it is from adults. Most adults are kind of looking for an excuse to play. And as long as it isn't really like gross negligence, like we're going to smash windows, that's what the game is. Like as long as it's anything even remotely like training, adults are pretty much, you know, we'll try anything twice kind of thing. So uh, I think it's, it's a, a very insightful point that it fit, that you saw games as something that you were deriving benefit from when in Fighting Monkey, you saw games and then you were able to just take that tool and go, well, that would work over here too. And then just run with it that way. So it's an interesting. The only thing I see is uh, different stuff with adults is the contact. Mostly is yeah, more in, even in states. Mm. The people is not used to touch each other. <laughs> and, and then when I present a game, some kind of really, fighting game yeah or contact or like contact pushing for some people it's 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 hard to digest at the beginning i need some previous game to put them in that mood Mm. that they can play also we also know people that the first time that they touch the ground after being five years old is at in his first parkour session at 28 or 30. But I I would argue that what you're doing in those situations where you're asking, you know, Craig has never touched the ground in 20 years and you're asking me to touch the ground or you're asking me to touch somebody else when moving, that's my blind spot. You were talking about blinds. The game showed someone a blind spot. That's a huge blind spot that I didn't know I had. So they might not be ready for it. It might freak them out and they don't come back. But if that is actually the thing they need to work on, somebody has to say, put your hands on the ground. You can wash them later. You're not going to die. So I think that's another really interesting use of games to really get people to do things that they would never do. Yeah. With the excuse that being silly without being just mm-hmm. for anyone. Mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier that I was interested in your perspective on your own training now as you're getting older. And I want to just give you a chance to just unpack like how you approach your training and maybe the types of training you do or, or how you cycle training or just generally how you think about training. Yeah, sure. I I really enjoy my my talk with Fukan about mm-hmm. this also because you see that that graphic that he has about the states of your yeah, practice, the seasons, the, the seasons the, like you are on fire, water, yeah. air. So wait, it's seasons of roots, water, fire, and air, and you can find it online too. But that's uh, in episode eighteen or, or twenty, I think. Yeah, that was right. Oh. Uh, sorry, <laughs> that was me. Don't tweet me. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, and, and as I say, for me, for a long time of my life, the practice was wake up, do two hours of moving weights or row for one, one, thirty, and go to the work and come back and move weights or row for another mm-hmm. hour or two hours and come back and sleep. Now my mornings through Fighting Monkey and Ozzy became more zero practice, zero understanding like a coordinate access. Mm-hmm. I want to know where I am at that moment in the middle. And from there, I can go anywhere knowing who I am today. Okay, That's part of 
become older and not every day you are better than the day before because mm -hmm. maybe today I'm sick, maybe I'm tired, maybe my lower back is not on its best moment. And I even start a experiment. They call me math scientist sometimes, just to make fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> but I was doing 60 dead breaths, kneeling position every morning, and I take the time hmm. to know how long, how many breaths is how many times. Okay. In terms of gain in that awareness of time, in that that Shasha is now yeah, with that challenge for one hour. minutes on a bar. Exactly. Yeah. And was something, okay, we, I think it's useful to know how long is a minute, how long is 30 minutes, how long is whatever. And then I realized that the time of each of my breaths every day was was a certain amount of time, 14 14.6 seconds is a regular breath mm. on my doing stillness practice. But if I'm sick or anxious, the time changes more than one second per breath. Mm. But only seeing that number, I realize that it's okay, it's not normal. Let's do like a bit more of uh, okay. work about what is happening. I am anxious because I worked in for my visa to go stage. I'm maybe a bit sick. You I'm know, not sleeping well. My nervous system is jacked up. Something, I need to relax. I need to Something meditate. is not normal. Mm. Then let's do a reassessment to see where, where I am now and today. And it's a very relaxed, uh, slow practice that I start no moving, that has coherence, you know, start no moving and then moving less and less <laughs> and moving more. Then I start coordinating with myself, with coordination work that I, I learned from Fighting Monkey. Then I'm with myself, I'm with myself moving, and then I start to interact with others if that day I have a partner mm -hmm. or with the environment, like a wall, a bar, mm -hmm. can be small precision jumps, can be balance, can be anything on that line. And after that, I like to start the, the, the day knowing where I am and with like being ready for almost anything that came to me that can be any kind of training. It's 12 p.m. BJJ, go to BJJ. Mm -hmm. And you tap a couple of times <laughs> on my home. Now go with the kids after the school program. Now go with the adults. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm I feel I'm I'm ready to face that because I know that that day my my level of energy is this and my and my mood is this mm -hmm. other. Mm. And also that learning of where I have holding tension and release that tension, be aware and release is something that if you don't realize you can be holding tension in some spot for a reason that you, you don't know for months, and um, that becomes a huge injury. Right. And, but if every day you check, then that problem disappears. Mm. And of course, the final question, three words to describe your practice. And playfulness, focus, as you say, in games, mm -hmm. um, having fun, seriously, but having having fun, nothing is a big deal now. Um, exploration, that I will start that from, from Fukan, I think explains very well what I focus now. I don't want to be eating only one food the rest of my life. And constancy, in terms of I want to do this 
till the end. And you know how I feel I start at six years old when mm-hmm. I start judo because my mom put me there. <laughs> you know. Uh yeah, that that thing is what defines what I'm doing now. Well thank you very much, Roberto. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. This was episode 33. For more information, go to moversmindset.com slash 33. I'd love to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions. Send an email to team at moversmindset.com. If you found this episode at all useful or enjoyable, please tell your friends. And there's more to the Movers Mindset Project than just this podcast. Visit moversmindset.com for more free content, to sign up for our newsletter, or to join the Movers Mindset community. Thanks for listening.